Voice of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. to Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org, BrushBeater.org, and hosted by me, NC Scout, best-selling author of The Gorilla's Guide to the Balfang Radio. And I'm joined this evening by my very close friend, Signals Intelligence Collection professional and extraordinaire, Mr. Madman Actual. What's up, brother? Same old, same old, man. I am, uh, it's been a good day. I, I've had a good weekend so far. It's been a uh, family oriented, you know, basketball games and all that. And kids won their basketball games. That was exciting. That's good, man. But, uh, I'm actually, I got your book good. in my hand. And man, Rot row. I mean, Rot row. <laughs> Rot row. like, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, rip this thing apart. Now, man, I, I got, so when I first got it, I skimmed it and I was like, okay, I recognize, there's literally a few pages that I recognized out of the spiral, you know, like your SOI chart and, um, the allocation, like the FCC allocations and all that. And yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, okay, this looks familiar. And then I started getting into it and man, like you're breaking down a whole bunch of stuff. You know, like how to build the the dipoles, the the um, jungle yep. dipole antennas, and you know how to do the digital burst over analog. And I mean, you got the crazy guy math that, like, I try to understand, but I'm just not smart <laughs> enough. And then, I mean, man, yeah. it's like it's a fantastic book. You put a meme in here, like, this is a group. This is a good book. <laughs> Little little Doc Holiday action, yeah. Know, a, a cameo appearance, the Doc Holiday meme, as uh, as as part of that that data burst, and um, mm-hmm. you know, the the whole thing is framed around you know, and people online, you know, you, you get those weirdos that that are like, "Oh, Balfour sucks," and blah blah blah, whatever. Like, all right, man. Well, I mean, that kind of sounds this familiar to me to the same people that are like oh glock sucks or oh kalashnikov sucks like ak suck or five five six sucks and then like you know all right look you're ignoring the reality and the reality is the logistical reality is is that this is 
far and away now the most common radio in the hands of a lot of people out there. Like a lot of your community, when you go out and, you know, you, you look around, you know, people that I interact with and not in a professional context, but in a personal context, people I interact with that a lot of times don't even know, like in, in, you know, my local community, for example, and I'm not talking about the ham radio guys or, or like any of that stuff. But um, one of the local churches around here that I was linking up with um, one of one of their senior deacons. And, and this was a totally unrelated, like not prepper, not any, you know, none of that context. Right. And, you know, they don't know what I do for a living or, or like any of that stuff, because, you know, I, I don't run around you know, screaming at everybody. And uh, cause I'm just an average guy and you know, they, he, he made the comment, you know, Oh yeah. You know, we, we've, we've got these radios and um, you know, are talking about church security and you know, it turned out, I was like, Oh, that's cool, man. It's just good to, you know, you're organizing that. Um, you know, what, what are you guys using? It was bow things, right? Like that's, that's what people are likely to have, you know? So it's pretty, it is a pretty good idea to know everything that that device is capable of doing, like all of its capabilities and then how to think about it and like wrap your mind around it outside of the box, use it in a different way. And I mean, yep. I'm telling you now, like, like I get some interesting emails from time to time. And when I have people who want me to translate it into, or, or they're offering to translate it in different languages, um, you know, and, and you can time. read between the lines, but one of the languages is German. Uh, one of them is Portuguese. One of them is Ukrainian. It's like, Hey, you know, like hmm. there, there's a reason, right. And it's not just, like the book is in the podcast thing going to be about the book folks, but the book is not just applying to the bow thing. Like this much of what's in there applies to really any kind of VHF or UHF radio or, you know, like there was, there was some guy that was commenting this morning. He was like, Oh, imagine what you could do with the, with the Yesu. Like, <sighs> Okay, like you're 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 talking about one radio that has this exact same functions versus another, like you know, different I mean, different case, different user interface, sure. But aside from that, like the principles are the same. And that's that's the thing is, um, there's a lot of nuance to this stuff, and you can debate all day. I mean, radios are no different than. The gun debates right like what's better nine millimeter or 45 uh 16 inch barrel or 14 or 12.5 you know what i mean like there's just endless debates and everybody fanboys what they have i have a specific mission set and i have a specific job and i get the stuff that one i can easily afford multiples of because yeah, sure. Like you can go buy these, 
You can go buy a Harris uh, Falcon radio. Sure. It's great radio. It's durable. It works. Um, it works really well, actually. But can you buy like two or three of them? I mean, I, I got, I actually got my radio crap out in front of me. I have one, two, I have four radios in front of me. Probably costs, I don't know, maybe actually four radios, the Surecom uh, frequency counter, and one of the tiny SAs. And all that combined probably cost me like 400 bucks. Um, yep. You know, that's two AR-152s, um, the Radiotity uh, GS-5B. That's essentially, Radiotity took Baofeng's board and just changed some stuff and added a, a, re, a receive strength indicator. And I have a Baofeng uh, UV-82L, uh, which same interface as the, the 5R. Um, yep. Same wattage, everything. It's actually just a little bit bigger physically. Um, the antenna does get a little bit better range, I think. Not really me measurable by any stretch, but uh, I got them on sale. It's the only reason I really got them. Yeah. Um, anyway, but like, well, yeah, yeah, we, it's just not inexpensive stuff. And at the end of the day, what are you, what are you really trying to do? Like, if it does the job. Right. Right. It, it does the job. Like you don't have to, this stuff, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it. Nothing is perfect, right? Like none of these radios, no radio on the planet is perfect because radios themselves, radio frequencies, the electromagnetic spectrum is all theory. We've, we've come up with really close mathematical equations to figure this stuff out. We've tuned these antennas really well, but we don't know 100%, right? And, and that is where the radios fail because it's, it's a theory. It's not a perfect science. And right. So knowing that, it's like, all right, yeah, like you can go buy more sensitive equipment, which if you can build it is probably the better idea because I've said it on the podcast before. The antennas you build, the VHF uh, Yagis, those things are really sensitive and they're really durable and they're really cheap. And like that right, right there, like I have a UHF Yagi antenna that's not very sensitive at all. It's really durable. It's really compact and it folds up and it's, you know, it's all like commercialized, but it's, right. it sucks to DF with. It doesn't DF well at all. Yeah. Um, it's probably too broad it's like, too. If it's yeah. if, if that's the one that I have that folds up, I think it's made by HYS. The elements mm -hmm. themselves are too thick, so for directional transmitting, it's fine. It, it that's not a problem. But those loads, total transmit is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it works great for that. But when you're trying to get a line of bearing on something. The uh, right. the actual elements. So for for everybody that doesn't speak, you know, radio nerd, um, when you fold out a Yagi antenna, and, and again, diagrams of all the stuff are, are contained in the book, including you know very simple to follow directions on how to build your own. But when when those uh, elements, each one of those elements, so you know, if you you lay the Yagi down, and you know you have the the pole running down the center right? Like that's the boom that everything attaches to. And then you have 
your your elements are the pieces that intersect that boom and those pieces themselves are actually too thick for what they need to be now they designed it that way because that antenna is really meant to be a transmitting antenna rather than a direction finding antenna you know, like, like a DF antenna, we would want those elements much smaller so that we can get a better null, right? We, we don't want those lobes, those side lobes coming off of those center elements, right, that are, that are in there. Because when they're too thick, and, and that's how I knew exactly what you were talking about, the, the antenna. Now, that antenna you can get on Amazon for like, I think it was like 40 bucks. And for again, for transmitting? Yeah, it's dirt cheap. Yeah, for for transmitting, having something that's you know ready made, it can fold up, you know, kind of like a satcom antenna. Um, hey, you know, nothing in the world wrong with it. But when you're trying to get a line of bearing on something, it's yeah, and, and you know, my experience mirrors yours, and and that's why I've got a couple of them laying around, and I don't even use them for anything anymore. I'd, I'd rather just have folks in class building antennas, and and we just go from there, man. Yeah. I keep this in my get home bag um, with the um, AR-152. And, uh, you know, I got the adapters, the SMA adapter that goes into the, um, the yeah. radio. And, yeah, it's like my little get home bag. So, like, I can use those um, FRS channels and, and get in contact with my little network that I have along my route or routes, I should right. say. Um, cause it, I mean, it folds up in so, so tiny, like, um, it, it practically takes up no room in my, in my book bag. And, um, see, so yeah, I just have like a Jansport as my go bag, by the way. I don't have like nice. a cool guy thing. Sorry. You mean, you mean um, you're not the coolest guy on earth running like a friggin' Aberl stock and oh I'm gonna be uh, hold on let me let me get my super melodramatic voice going I'm gonna be the most gray man of gray men out there with my Aberl stock pack out in public yes. where like nobody has anything that looks like that you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey no, I, come I on man to, uh... yeah. come on I actually have like a hipster getup that I can change into pretty quick um, in, in said book bag. And it's a Jansport because I just noticed that like all the commie kids are rocking like old school 90s, early 2000s backpacks. Yeah. So that's like my little yep. blend in thing in case I got to walk. Yeah. Obviously, I'm, you know, I'm blasting up with the truck. Anyway, that's a different, whole different podcast um yeah i mean it really is man like that's that's one that we really we ought to do talking about just gray man considerations you know living in that urban considerations yeah you know not not the tactical shit that is yeah i don't even know i don't even know what that's like it's it's well I do know. I, I do know. It's an industry. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's the influencer industry. It's you know how everybody's kind of. It was like I was talking about Sons of Liberty, man. Like everybody's trying to be the next cool guy, 
like like however you define that like they're, they're trying to find the next cool guy thing you know yep. it, it's I, I mean the new hotness and they try to capitalize on it yeah it it's is. like look look around if you just look around your working environment what is everybody else looking like what is everybody else doing okay that that's called a baseline and as long as you do not violate the baseline you don't stand out you're gonna look like everybody else you know and and that's just once you like that that's the bulk of intelligence work no matter what the domain is you know it's whether it's human or imaging or sigint or any you know any of them the stuff i'm I'm writing about right now um, baseline you need that baseline. So whatever violates the baseline, boom, you zero in on that. And that's, that's going to be what you're looking for, you know, but it, it's, yeah. And, like, uh, go I, ahead. I, to, to your point, I actually, uh, I meant to send you, send you this picture. I forgot. Um, I was at work and we were doing, we were doing some work before like the big part of the project starts, you know, like, early bird gets the worm kind of thing. And uh, I was going down the road and this is like a suburban area, right? This is really built up major highway, like multiple major highways running around it and through it. And like a huge road that goes through two cities. Like it's a busy spot. And there were two guys wearing black hoodies with the exact same color camouflage pants um they were like military camo and it wasn't a u.s military camo at all it was like to be honest with you i'm not i didn't get that good of a look but it was like a brighter green mixed with like dark green like kind of the digital norwegian kind of pattern man um maybe yeah not far from that um that's that's a again. but it's a uniform it wasn't like it, it wasn't mossy oak or like the uh oh shit what is it cabela's new camouflage that is like very military-esque but it's not you know you can tell that it's hunting camo yeah. but but this yeah. was like clearly yeah. th- these were clearly like combat pants and i was like <laughs> you fucking clowns are walking down the street at like 4 30 p.m <laughs> like just well, rocking Dark hoodies. They weren't the same hoodie, so I will say that they weren't like two jet black hoodies. It was like darker colored, um, yeah, hoodies. But they both had the same exact camo pants on. I'm like, dude, that's so sketchy. They both had boots on that matched, like the color scheme matched. And I was like, man, like what? And they weren't. How do I say this without getting this in trouble? <clears throat> I don't think they were from around there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they ain't, they weren't yeah. locals. Um, yeah. Clearly, yeah, we're not. They, they were just an eyesore. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, so. you know, you, you, they there's 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 a certain way that people dress, move, and interact with one another in a given environment. Like like the people who are from there will will act towards one another a particular way you know it it, it, like it's one of those things that it's kind of hard to explain until people experience it you know if if you go like for example you know me being from here and and uh you know 
BFE North Carolina, right? And all of a sudden, um, you know, I, I go out to Texas, you know, which I, I frequently do. And culturally, it's kind of similar, but they know that I'm not from there because they have things that they say. And, and like, even it's like different parts of North Carolina have different things that we say. We have different accents, right? Texas, the same way. And they, mm-hmm. they have, you know, like central Texas has like a, like a uh, real Germanic influence there because they had a, a big influ- influx of, of Germans and even down to like the syntax of things that they say. Um, you know, East Texas has like the, the, the whole Cajun influence going on the, you know, the, the Creole and the French and, and, you know, Acadia and all that. Right. And then West oh, Texas, yeah. you, you've got a lot of Latin influence out there. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, it, so, you know, you go to a different part, they immediately know that you're not from there, you know, and how do they know? Well, it's, it's one of those things that people are most of the time, they're like, well, I just know that you're not from here. You know, well, how do you know that? And they can't necessarily point, you know, to one heuristic, right? Cause there's the technical term for that is heuristics. They can't necessarily point to the specific thing that they're seeing they just say like, you know, well, I don't know. It's just something about you. Right. So it's like when, yep. when you're, you're not, um, when, when you're, you're, you're violating something of, of the baseline. And when you do that, you're going to draw attention to yourself, you know? And, and that's, that's from, believe it or not. I mean, I know, you know this, but that is the, the human intelligence aspect to it. So like if a human yep. specialist, was making an assessment they're they're doing everything they can to recognize what that baseline is you know and so for signals intelligence on that side of the house you know we're doing the exact same thing we're trying to create a baseline of what those signals are you know and this is one of those things that that in the book um you know in the Baofeng book real guy to the Baofeng radio but also in the signals intelligence book in the first chapter uh, which is, is currently, you know, the, the book is, is well underway. But in the first chapter, I explained that, like the domains of intelligence and creating that baseline and creating the baseline for signals specifically. And one of them is, is understanding the individual domains. And it, there's, there's three roles of radio where it fits in somewhere. And this is one of those things that people are um, – they get real confused about, especially the online community, because the, you know, the, the tactical, the, um, you know, the, the gun gamers and all that, when they think communications, they just want to check a box. They don't actually understand what the role of those communications are. And most often for them, that role is tactical communications. What I label tactical communications being interteam like inner team, inner squad communication level of like, Hey, you know, we're doing a movement to contact. We're going to react to contact. And at that point, a lot of them go to using some site, some type of digital radio, right? Um, you know, DMR is the one a lot of people lean on. And I like DMR. I like DMR, but you know, as you and I have discussed, it has a lot of drawbacks, and they, there's there's a lot of issues there. Some of the other folks who, who think they're too cool for school, they're they're out there talking about P25. It's like, 
you know, hey, th those police surplus radios that you're using, you know, I don't think they're as cool as you think they are uh, because you haven't done your homework on the exploits on them. But, you know, they, there's a reason those Astro Sabres are, are being tossed away, you know, for, for pennies on the dollar. And, and it's not because a newer one came out. Um, there, there's other reasons. You can ask, like, I, I bring this incident up in the Signet course, um, you know, the Chicago PD getting hacked and their, their radio mm -hmm. system hacked. How did that happen? Like, what was the mechanism of attack? You know, and, and that was their radio system, even though they have layers of security, right? You can get into those, right? Conducting a side channel attack. And that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, you know, they, there's there's a method to the madness. And, and sustainment level communications, like public safety, public service, all of that, like that's part of that baseline that we're talking about. Tactical communications are another, which are by nature going to violate the baseline because they're going to be different. And then there's clandestine, right? And clandestine is when, when you're working in a, a underground, um, you know, the uh, you, you're you've stood up your guerrilla underground and you're not transmitting all the time. Like you you may send out a burst once every twelve hours with a communications window. Like there's a task and purpose behind it. So um, going back to tactical radio, a lot of people like leaning on DMR for that or, or talking about, uh, you know, a, a digital protocol. And let's be very specific here. Um, you can configure an analog radio to utilize any digital protocol you want. It's just that with a quote unquote DMR radio, you have one specific protocol that's built into the radio already. And so there's certain things that right. you can do. But most people out there don't understand. They don't have the level of education or understanding to think, you know, beyond the buzzwords and understand that, hey, there are a lot of ways this radio can be exploited. And so you have a lot of experience doing that, doing exactly that. So, you know, share with us what you will and what you can, um, you know, because I, I know you like we've talked about, you got some stories that, you know, you, you can't necessarily tell over the airwaves, but you, you know, yeah, can't, can't necessarily put everything out there, but DMR, yeah. for example, since that's all that, that seems to consistently be the top of everybody's list, right? They point to that. They say, Oh, it had, it is capable of AES encryption and everything. What are some of the exploits behind that, that, that somebody with a level of training, how would they go about exploiting an adversary that's utilizing DMR? So there's a lot of things, actually. Um, DMR is cool. I like DMR. If you have um, your little neighborhood defense or, you know, you got your, if you're out in, in the sticks and you got your farms and, you know, you've got the Johnsons and the O'Donnells or whoever, you know, you got the, the four or five farms around you. And you all got your little DMR network. You got your talk group. And yeah, I mean, it's awesome. You can text each other um, without using your cell phone. So if the cell phone networks are down for whatever reason, guess what? You have a two-way radio that you can either directly call someone. You can text the talk group. You can text one radio over another. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool. But tactically, it. so ISIS started to use it in um, 
Iraq and in Syria. And it started to get into Afghanistan a little bit because it, it is technically the same international organization. Um, you know, different guys running it, obviously, but, you know, the, the money all gets pulled together for, for their global goals. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what we figured out at first was that we couldn't hear the conversations, right? And because DMR was developed by Motorola and I, there's like two, maybe three other companies that, that all kind of joined forces and came up with the idea or maybe not come up with the idea, but put the infrastructure into it. And we couldn't hear it because it was AES encrypted, um, some of them. But they have like basic encryption, like Motorola's basic encryption. And unless you have the color code and the time slot and everything, if you're using a repeater, which is actually technically a base station, very similar to a GSM or a cell phone, cell phone tower. Um, so if you don't have all the correct authentications, you won't be able to hear the conversation. What we figured out was that regardless of the encryption, the radio is broadcasting uh, the talk group name, the radio ID, and the color code is available. Um, that has lesser encryption, right? So me right now, I could go, if, you know, if my neighbor was talking on DMR and I wanted to figure out what he was saying, I could, you know, I could pull out my tiny SA and be like, oh, somebody's talking on 463 megahertz. And then I go on to my analog radio and it's just a bunch of garbled crap. And I'm like, oh, digital. Okay, cool. And then I can go on to DSD plus using an SDR with, um, oh, Crimini. I can't remember the name. It's an audio uh, download. There's videos on YouTube. If you just Google like de decoding DMR. The guy yeah. has a great video on how to do it. Um, I believe he's like, he's got an accent. He's either Australian or British. Can't remember which one. One of those two. Anyway, he goes through. And yeah, I mean, it, you have a command prompt and it gives you all of the radio's information. So if you have a DMR radio, all you got to do is plug in all that information and you can hear it. It's, it's not, unless he's calling one person. That's the only way where it's like, pretty secure but then even still what we did was we took talk group names radio ids color codes and time slots and we use those similar to the identifiers of exploiting cell phones right so we create quote unquote social networks not like facebook but that's what in the intel world social network is who you talk to who you associate with who you call, who you talk on the radio with, whoever, or whatever. And we would use that metadata to create the target, right? So like this talk group would be the target, or this radio ID is the target. And from there, you create your social network, and you, you can link all these together. And what we found was, at least ISIS, the way they were using it, they were setting up their own base stations, right? Because they do have electrical engineers and they have some smart guys on their team. They're not, they're not dumb. So we figured out what they were doing and they trumped it, you know, like they had their own little closed network, quote unquote, closed network. But 
and they added their own encryptions for the voice. But that, that's the thing, you can't, even if you encrypt all of the information, all the metadata, right? Your color code is encrypted, your talk group name is encrypted, everything's encrypted. You still have to send that signal out. When you send that signal out, there are spectrum analyzers and people smart enough to go in there and analyze that and actually figure out the ones and the zeros being broadcast on that signal. I know that sounds insane and I don't understand how to do it. It's way above my pay grade. I never learned how to do it. Um, I'd love to learn how to do it, but you need, you do need a fancy equipment, right? It's not like the tiny SA is not going to get you there. Um, you, you need a pretty, sizable investment to get that uh, spectrum analyzer. But that's the thing, it exists, right? So when you're talking tactical communications, and it's also context, right? Like if you're trying to, depends on who the enemy is really is what I'm trying to say. Um, if you're fighting a nation state, man, like the MR is really not any more secure or less secure than an analog radio. Um, that's where, that's where communications discipline comes in and you just have to not talk on the radio, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, right. if we're talking super, super secure, um, you'd be better off doing like freaking smoke signals or something. Um, or just send in a burst, so, you know, send in a data burst. Well, that's the thing. The data burst is it. If you've been to the SIGIN class, if you've been to Brush Beater SIGIN class and Scout shows you how to do the data burst over the analog radio using the Android tablet and uh, ANF, ANFL Digi, which is a messaging app. Yep. And there's like 150 options for, um, I guess you can call it encryption, but it's really like the language that the, the app is speaking. So that seems really long but it's really not that long. It's like no. what, 10 seconds. Not and, even. Um, and it, I mean, it depends yeah. if you're, if you're trying to compress, well, image, like, you know, yeah, if you're doing images, but even like, if you're just sending a message, like a worded, a word message, you right. know, we tested it um, in the SIG and exploitation class. And we sent a message that said, AO. So four letters, with a space, right? That took about as long as saying meet at this grid coordinate. And it was like about the same, right? It, it didn't take that much longer to send the four character message versus the, well, I can't remember the number we counted, but it was significantly more. And it didn't really take that much right. more time. And when you're and talking about no direction metadata. finding, right, there's no metadata to it. So, when you're talking tactically communicating, you you would be better off doing something like that than versus texting with your DMR, right? So, like I said, I mean DMR is really good for your non-tactical communications. Um, you know, if you're tired of paying a cell phone bill and you're fortunate enough to not need a cell phone. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, like go DMR. It's way cheaper in the long run. Um, you're not you're not susceptible to nearly this nearly the amount of scams. Um, 
it, it is pretty cool. And for the farm, you know, like you got a big giant property or your neighborhood defense, like I was saying, like, and let's say it does get crazy and you've got guard shifts, just send out a text on the DMR and send it, you know, obviously send a code. Don't just be like, Hey, we're changing shift. Cause if somebody does know your DMR information, then they're going to know you're changing shifts. Um, and anybody who's a cop will tell you how bad that is when they know you're changing shift. Um, that's when all the stupid crap happens. So yes. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like I said, DMR is very cool and AES 256 bit encryption is really good, but it's not totally impervious, right? There's no such thing. Um, there's a reason they had to go to AES 256, right? It used to be AES 128. And there's a reason they had to add uh, double the characters because somebody broke the 128 and it got out. Yeah. And it got well, out. 256. It wasn't like the underground. So, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna wrap my tinfoil hat a little too tight over here and, and spit a little knowledge. Um China and quantum computing, they haven't published the data that they have broke 256 because <clears throat> that's going to be when, when that finally happens, that's going to, that's going to be earth shaking in the, the, uh, the cryptography and, and encryption community that that's going to be bad. However, um, I think that they've already done it and I think that we've done it too because IBM has the capability to do that with quantum computing. I think that it has, it hasn't been, again, it hasn't been published, but you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of the, uh, the black hat types out there, you know, the, the uh, few that follow me, um, may want to reach out and, you know, they, they might say something about that one way or the other. And it's like, look, I get it. Um, you know, with DEF CON and everything that, that somebody might be talking about this. But the thing is, is that with it, it, you have to think about what's theoretically possible and with quantum computing, it is. And you also have to understand that the guys that are working on the advanced projects, have signed a mountain of NDAs. They have security clearances and they're not going to be just throwing it out there. Right. They're, they're not going to do that. And I mean, you and I both have seen that side of the curtain of, you know, mm -hmm. me in a, a much more limited capacity. I saw just enough of what was going on with social media uh, with, with the Arab spring. And Oh, wow. This is um, they, it kind of re that made me retool my thinking about social media and, and really a lot of other things too, you know, that, that we hold dear, like freedom of speech and all the stuff like with the Twitter files, all the stuff that we, you know, the public is finding out now and for whatever reason, don't seem to care. Uh, but th this is something that, you know, freedom of speech advocates, libertarians, you know, we've been, we have been screaming this at the top of our lungs for a long time now. Um, but the thing about AES encryption is, is that you're still relying on something that is built into the device that you don't have control over, right? You can put in right. the keys. You have control over that, yes. If you, if, if, this is a big if, 
you even implement it properly. Like there's a reason that we have, uh, when I, you know, in the army, we had comsec changeover at specific intervals where we would load new keys, right? New encryption keys. Yeah. There's a reason for that. And in theory, like if, if you don't think that Russia and China together, because they, they're working on this together. If you don't think that they are, they are currently working on a way using quantum computing to break that, or even just attempt a side channel attack, which we now know coming out of Ukraine that they do have the ability to do. Now that they got a whole bunch of Harris equipment, you know, free laying on a battlefield, they got some, right? You don't think that they reverse engineered all that? And they're figuring out where to, because Russia has some brilliant engineers, man. Ukraine's got some brilliant engineers. You know, America has, they, there was a period of time where, uh, you know, at the fall of the Soviet Union, we kind of had a, a pseudo operation paperclip where we scooped up a bunch of their scientists and, you know, say, hey, you, you can you can come work and live in America, right? A lot of them turned around and went back. You know, they, they worked here for a little while. They went back to Russia when, when times got better, got more stable. You know, and mm -hmm. some of them are still here, right? But you know, living in in their communities, their their diaspora all across the U.S. But the point is, is that um, we we tend to think in America we have this hubris of like you know everybody's inferior to us or you know whatever. And bro, that, that's not true at all. Like they, they they are China, especially like China has got enough equipment. I mean, I've got a TBR 119, you know, which uh, um, is I'm, I'm going to be talking about a whole lot. Did a podcast on um, got some other projects that, that I'm going to be doing with it in the near future. But that thing is a military radio and the Chinese are building it. And the the uh, level of capability and the level of uh, really open ended options in there is incredible. And it has its own encryption as well. Like they, there is a way to load encryption keys in that. But even if you don't, like you don't want to rely on that because we didn't build that. You know, you didn't build it. If you right. didn't build it, you didn't create it. You, you might want to take a step back like, okay, you know, this is built in. What are the possible exploits here? And so what I'm trying to say is for everybody out there, it's like, you know, hey, I want an easy answer. I want to check the box. All right. Just understand that if this is what you're leaning on, it really depends on your threat model of what you expect to come up against. Because even like even down in Texas, right, where, you know, cartel activity is hot and heavy and it hasn't went kinetic yet like it is down in Mexico. And we'll just say this. The threat is there. OK, it's possible. The threat is there. So. They're, they're utilizing DMR in many cases, right? What I saw when uh, I was in El Paso, the, uh, the Zetas especially were making widespread use of DMR, and that was a decade ago. So understanding that you don't think that we had a way of exploiting it, like we absolutely 100% did. You know, we had monitoring systems. We still have them there that are looking for that chatter. OK, and the cartels have that as well That's something you got to understand, like they they have access to all that. And who are they getting that equipment from? They're getting it from the Chinese. 
Like this, this is the next step of these pieces that people are not putting together. And so if the Chinese have been working on a way to break AES 256, right? Because it would be very easy to assume and, and, and correct to assume that they have been doing that, that it, that's been it, one of its primary purposes. You have to factor that into your threat model and say, hey, you know, this, this is a real thing. This is how we might possibly be exploited. And so now you've got to look back at some of the other options. And, you know, so for, for Johnny out here that, that's playing at being a soldier and shooting fast at stationary targets and, you know, watching TikTok, and he, you know, he just wants to check that box. Hey, man, knock yourself out. But if you want the real way to secure what you're doing, you have to do that physically. You have to do that physically and you have to not be transmitting continuously. You have to understand that it requires a paradigm shift behind the equipment that you're using. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really obvious, excuse me. It's really obvious that, um, more and more guerrilla forces around the world are getting more tech savvy with the radios. Uh, and us citizens really don't, uh, we've lost that like minute man mentality. So, and unfortunately I wish it wasn't so, cause you know, this is confusing. This is a lot to learn. It's a huge learning curve. There's a reason the army has, they have an MOS for SIGINT guys, and then they have an MOS for um, signal exploitation, right? They're, they're two different MOSs. You have, like, analysis of the signal, and then you have the analysis of the intelligence that comes from those signals. So for a citizen who's a little bit more prepared than others, yeah, you're going to want to like be a little good at everything, which means you're going to have to catch up with the technology and how it works, or at least be familiar with it. Um, and again, at the end of the day, digital encryption, it's, it's really cool, but it's not the end all be all. And it doesn't mean you can just sit on the radio and talk all day. Um, like I've told so many people like, man, if you think you can do that, go ask ISIS how that worked out for him. You know, my, <laughs> My buddy used to send me his his end of week package every week for like nine months. And it was all push to talk radios, whether it was analog, DMR, you name it. And he was like, Yeah, this is what we were this is what we got this week. And it was yep. nothing it was nothing but bombs being dropped on guys that had no radio discipline. And they were all encrypted. And, you know, it was all digital or whatever, whatever buzzword you want to throw out if they had all the hotness and they still got blown up, you know, they still had an A-10 come down and wreck their whole convoy. You know, it's just, it's not impervious. And, uh, speaking of the cartels, those guys, um, yeah, they, they do, they have SIGIN equipment. Um, 
and they are getting it from the yeah. Chinese. That is 100% yep. true, which is incredibly dangerous because they do have, again, the cartels are no different than your Middle Eastern jihadists. They're not all dumb, right? They're not all dumb enough to strap a no, bomb it's... to their chest, right? They, they yep. have some really smart guys. And a lot of them got educated in the U.S. Um, yeah. in both cases, um, they have a universe, American university educated guys, um, and they have SIG and equipment. Yeah. They they DF the the federales all the time, and they ambush them. That's why they're that's why they're losing. That's why the the Mexican government's losing so bad, is because they're the cartels are doing it, and the Mexican government is not. Maybe oh well, I'm sure they are, but they're not doing it effectively. Um, and yeah, I mean we have we have assets uh, on the border, but like as far as actually being in there, um, it's a bunch of legalese. But like we don't have the authority to do that, and the Mexican right. government has not invited us to do it. So um, I'm yeah. sure there's little green men it's... running around down there somewhere, but like it's probably really small. And it, it's probably right. not really doing anything effective. And in Mexico too, like there's there's a reason that they only have like the Mexican Air Force is very limited. Um, their military is pretty limited. Their you know their navy is basically a coast guard. There's a reason for that, you know. It, and um, it part of it goes to the the outcome of the uh, Mexico had a communist revolution in the 1970s. Uh, that, that a lot of people don't really know about. And it was a failed communist revolution in part. It was partly failed, but not completely. And so one of the outcomes of that actually gave way, partly gave way to the rise of the cartels. And the thing that people don't really get about Mexico, one of the things they don't get about it is that with, uh, with cartels, they're being supplied and exploited by the Chinese. They have a partnership. The Chinese are using them much the same way that Iran uses Hezbollah. And Hezbollah, you know, is, is primarily occupied in, in Lebanon. At least that's where their overt activities are. They, they have a contingent that's in Venezuela. They probably have guys that are operating, um, you know, out in the open in Mexico as well. I know for a fact there were some Hezbollah guys that were there was a cell that was working in Juarez, um, and that was a decade ago. I know that for a fact, one hundred percent fact. Uh, but you know, Iran uses them as forward intelligence collection. They, you know, go do something. They run an operation. They launch some rockets or whatever. And the reason they're doing that in Lebanon, they'll launch those rockets onto Israel. You know, aiming at Haifa or Tel Aviv or wherever, right? And what they're doing is they're testing the effectiveness of the Iron Dome. Like what updates have been made to where that makes that system more lethal and vice versa. What updates did they make to their rockets that make them more survivable to the Iron Dome system? Right. That, that's primarily the, the collection that they're taking away from that and reporting back to Tehran and telling them, hey, that, you know, this this is what we're going to do. Right. They're doing the same thing with the cartels. Like China is exploiting the cartels to figure that out. Like what, what do we do on the ground? What are our operations going to entail on the ground that are going to be more profitable for us? And they're doing it in a variety of ways. 
And they also know for, for the Chinese, because the Chinese are very pragmatic in their operations, they focus much more on building hegemony in a place rather than ruling through brute force, which the United States rules through brute force economically. That, that's how our policy has worked abroad, right? And so when, when you begin to take all that into account, you realize that, you know, somebody like El Chapo or El Chapo Jr., right, which, which you know, Mexico is going after Chapo Jr. now, and it, with the expectation that he's going to get extradited to the United States, just like his father, right? So um, my point behind that is, is that the Chinese know that if they keep this guy in power, he provides stability. And if he's the power broker, whether he's a legitimate government or not, it doesn't matter, right? That, that's, that is completely irrelevant. That guy and his forces are going to provide stability for, for our future operations that are going to happen there. And they're already laying the groundwork for that. You know, I pulled up an article earlier today that I, I did um, just over four years ago. And it was talking about Phoenix TV uh, being bought right on the border. Phoenix TV is the most powerful television transmitter in the Northern Hemisphere. And it is just across the border from San Diego, California. It's owned by the Chinese. You know, why did they buy that? Why are they buying up all the radio stations along our southern border? Why are they expanding their influence along our southern border? There's a reason for all this. And, and what that has to do with signals is, is that you have to really be on your toes in understanding the larger threat here. That these assets are in play, that they are utilizing them, and that if... The cartels are doing stuff one particular way. Then the United States government is has got every tool at their disposal to exploit that, to at least try and monitor the chaos, if not mitigate it. Doesn't really look like they're doing too well at mitigating it. And you have to understand that the Chinese have a way of exploiting that as well, right? They've got a, they, they have a way of exploiting all this stuff. So when, when you arm yourself with that knowledge, you really, again, I keep coming back to it, that if you are, you know, the the a madman, as you pointed out, the Minuteman concept, you know, neighborhood protection team, you, you really need to be on the ball. And that's where thinking outside the box by another means, you know, and, and very likely having to do it with inexpensive equipment because nobody out there is made of money, right? What Again, what I said in the beginning of the show, what are people most likely to have? versus what you wish they had you know it, it's it's two very different things man. yeah i mean yeah shit in one hand and wish in the other see which one fills up first you know um you, you, i can wish that everybody had singars but i mean it's not reality uh the reality is that if you type in ham radio on youtube i bet you the first page in the top 25 videos that come up first, most of them are going to be about a Baofeng radio. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I bet they the are, simple man. truth. I bet they are. And, um, yeah, people people always downplay the Baofeng, but eh, whatever. Um, but yeah, to, to tag along with your what you're talking about, um, yeah, that's the, the thing with, when you go to radioreference.com, um, there's a section in there that'll actually tell you who owns those repeaters. And um, 
the radio stations and everything. And if you listen to your standard FM radio station, like your country or rock and roll or whatever station you like to listen to, um, they have their call sign, right? They'll be like, uh, yeah, W X Y, whatever. Right. That's because they're broad. That's FCC regulation, right? It's, it's, they have to, um, they have to announce their call sign on, on air. And if you look that up, you can see who actually owns that, that, uh, call sign, right. Who's actually licensed. And, um, so do some digging in that and yeah, you'll find some pretty interesting things. Uh, the Chinese, they, they aren't just buying up radio stations either. They're buying all kinds of stuff. Um, and it's not the Chinese government, right? It's not going to say CCP owns this, but it'll be like, uh, Zhejiang industries or something weird. You know, it's like some corporate yeah. Chinese corporation that owns it and they're buying property. They're buying everything. And it is, it's, it's, uh, it's obviously preparation of the battle space, right? And even if yeah. you don't see it as a, a kinetic fight, um, the, the whole, the Silk Road 2.0, right? The, or the new Silk Road or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. Belt, the, that's the what belt they are trying to do, initiative. right? Yeah. Right. The Belt and Road Initiative. Yeah, it's, it's the, the so, new generation of, of Silk Road. You know, and, right. and not so, not the you know not Ross Ulbricht buying drugs and hiring hitman, uh, no. <laughs> you know, and, and talking <laughs> to fans, but you know, like like the the real Silk Road, you know. Yeah. So I mean, even then, like economically, um, because that's what um, unrestricted warfare is, right? It's it's war by every means, not every other means. It's well, every other means first. Um, but it's, you know, kinetic is not off the table, right? It's just not the first plan. So, um, and at the end of the day, yeah, you know, our, our federal government can be bought out, whatever, like we've known that for a long time. My dad's been saying that pretty much my whole life. Uh, you know, like my grandfather's been (laughs) saying that. Like they all knew. Um, They're like, man, Paul, you can't yeah. just can't trust a politician. That they, they no. as soon as they get elected, all they want to do is get reelected, and it doesn't matter how they get there, as long as they get there. Um, yeah. Again, that's another podcast. I mean, but man. yeah, it yeah, is. When you're Look, talking about Paul McCarthy, <laughs> yes, go, dude. Yeah. Oh my god. But when you're talking, um, when you're talking Sigint stuff, that's the thing with Sigint. It's not just, and I, I talk about this in the exploitation classes. It's not just radios, it's social media and um, the, the cyber world, right? So the army at first had my MOS doing cyber warfare. <clears throat> um, and then they set up, finally, they, they gave it its own MOS because they realized how complicated it was and, and how much training it, it took and everything. Yeah, it, so It requires it, man. It really does. Oh, 100%. I was so happy when that happened because I was like, man, like, y'all taught me all this stuff and, like, now you're trying to totally change directions on me. Like, this is a whole new world, man. I don't, like, I get it, but it's a lot to learn. Um, yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, but again, as the Minuteman, you have to be familiar with everything, right? You can't, you have to be 
across the board with everything, you have to be familiar, right? You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be the best. You need to be familiar enough to do something about it. Um, same, and it's the same thing with guns, right? Like you, you have to know how to use a shotgun. You have to know how to use uh, an AR, an AK, a bolt action, a lever action. I mean, because that's what's around, right? right. Like, um, so you have to be familiar with enough to utilize the technology or the equipment. Um, and I'm not saying everybody has to like get into Python scripting and all that, but um, you should definitely have a guy on your team that's like good enough with it. Um, that's not a bad idea. Like every team needs a nerd for sure. Um, yeah. Because yeah, the, the Chinese man, they're they're they are like invading. It's not like a they're going to happening. Um, and they're doing it not with well, they are doing it with people. Um, cause it's funny. Yeah. You bring up the hegemony. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, they're, they're conducting just economic, they really do. Warfare. They're breeding. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're breeding Africa. Um, and they're doing the same thing here really. Like, I mean, there's, there's a couple universities where <laughs> I was doing some, some road work around and I was like, you know, Back then, you know, I was kind of like, I was turned off for a little bit, and uh, I was just like looking around, I'm like, man, I haven't seen like a not Asian in like fifty-five to an hour. You know, like it's been yeah. a hot minute <laughs> since I've seen anybody that wasn't clearly Asian descent, and uh, you yeah. know, this is like not far from where I grew up, which was like predominantly like Scotch Irish, like right. Super white, <laughs> you know, like I'm like, man, what? Yeah. This is kind of weird, man. Like it just, I just picked up on it, you know, actually I didn't even pick up on yeah. one of the guys I worked with. He was like, man, he's like, what's up with all these Asians around? <laughs> I was like, I looked well, around for of... and I'm like, yeah, dude, you're right. That's kind of weird, man. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it too especially at the graduate level, a lot of it is exchange students. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, and that's and, what it is. It's the coming, exchange students. Yeah. And, and they're coming from the CCP. They, they are yeah, coming I, well, from the Chinese communist party. And I don't feel bad about saying it now. Um, Cause I don't live anywhere near there and I don't work in that same area. Um, but it was Johns Hopkins university was where we were at. And, yep. uh, I was like, man, a lot man, of bio weird. research goes on there, you know. Yeah, a it's, lot. I mean, same so, as, as with Duke and UNC. Um, mm -hmm. You know, NC State's campus got a nuclear reactor on it, and they have foreign exchange students that are coming in. And uh, th there was uh, uh, NC State. There was a, a cat from Pakistan that came in there completely. Uh, fudged his his uh, applications, visa application. Then uh, you know you, you have to go through a security clearance process. Completely, you know, completely fudged all that, and that spurred a counterterrorism investigation on him, counterintelligence investigation. That it was counterintelligence first, and then it went to uh, went over to counterterrorism because he was sent here by the Pakistani government, right? And he's sent here as a spy, you know. They got him. Well, there was that, that's just one guy. 
you know, and and did they zero in on him because he's Pakistani? No, they zeroed in because there, there's a, there's a lot of Pakistanis that that are working, and you know, all right, cool, man, like that's you know, it, just like everybody else. But the point is, is that they're not being sent here from another country because they're they're trying to enhance the United States. They're trying to get whatever they can and take it and go back. And the Chinese are very well documented of doing this, right? I mean, they, they're 100% at war with us. And right now it's a gray zone war. It's an economic war that, that they have began, you know, and, and it's going to get a hell of a lot worse because all of this makes way for a, a uh, much broader war. But they're trying to weaken us to the point to where they win without a fight, you know, as far as fighting a nation. And they may well, very well do that. Us anyway, um, they're going to proxy the shit out of us. Right. Um, which is what they've been doing. Cartels and, yep. and these unrestricted like, warfare. Uh, the, the jihadists and everything. Um, and I'm sure there's other countries involved in that. But like, obviously, I don't really have like explicit proof. But I can promise you the Chinese are definitely, um, definitely heavily involved. Um, and I can tell you that that's where, I mean, this has been out for a few years now, but like we figured out like, oh shit, these guys, like the Chinese are funneling the drugs, the opium, yeah. the poppy seeds out of Afghanistan through Pakistan into China, shipping it over here or shipping it to Mexico, making heroin, whatever they make. And then they send it in the U.S., that's the funnel. Right. Um, yep. So. You know, and, we yeah, it's. We, we fought that war the wrong way is what we figured out. Yeah, it, it's. You know. there, there's so many directions we could go with that. And I think, you know, one last final point, because this is probably the question that a lot of people have on their minds. And it's one that I get every so often. You know, hey, we've been talking about a Chinese radio. Uh, and the, mm. the majority of Chinese equipment for this entire yeah. podcast, right? You know, hour and a half now. And, and you're always going to have China. the people. Yeah. And, and, and they're not wrong. Okay. You're not wrong when you say, Hey man, you know, like there might be something in, in the bow things that cause us some issue. You know, they, they have the magic kill switch with, I think people have, have had questions about in the past. Um, what I'll say is this. With an analog radio, analog radio of any kind, you have the maximum amount of control over both the front end and the back end. And so with that said, I really don't think that a $25 radio, you know, sub $100 radio with not a lot of software going on, it's it's a very simple architecture that runs that thing. I don't think that they would be concerning themselves with installing kill switches. Because if they could, if they, if they did do that, where there was one magic, like going to kill them all, they would have done it already in Ukraine. So I'm just throwing it out. And not only that, but uh, you've brought it up before. Um, The Chinese are opening up these really incredible radios to the commercial market. And it's not for the American citizens, right? They're nope. gray zone warfare 
includes getting your equipment in country under a guise. And that's what this is. They're giving their guys decent enough radios, or not their guys, but they're giving their proxy guys decent enough equipment to use and be effective with. Um, and they, it is effective equipment, you know, like, right. That's just it. Um, you know, the Taliban, I mean, yeah, sure. We blew a bunch of them up because they had shitty radio discipline. It wasn't because the equipment itself. Um, right. In fact, some of their methods were pretty, pretty ninja. Like some of the guys that knew what they were doing, man, they were hard to find. They were hard to get. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the dumb ones. Yeah. Like they just talk on the radio for 15 minutes straight and be like, you know, they'd be having a casual conversation. And then next thing you know, they're talking about blowing stuff up and it's like, Oh, well, I mean, we got, we've already DF'd you, but now you just let us know that you're a bad guy. So here you go. Um, <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So, but I mean, that, yeah, there's a bunch of naysayers, but uh, like you said, th those are a bunch of guys that they don't have the context um, that, right. that you and I have um, that have seen this stuff done. We've been there. We've, we've been on both sides of it. So it's just, you know, it, it takes that experience level to understand what can work, what does work, what doesn't work and what's useless. Right. Or what's extra, I should say. Exactly. So, and the perfect way to figure all that out, is to get out and do it. Training courses, brushbeater.org slash training calendar. And the only way to do it. I'd rather learn from a professional than, you know, Timmy down the street. That Timmy Timmy got shiny gear, but Timmy don't really know nothing other than watching some YouTube videos or whatever. Right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Point to a time when you've done it. We can. All right, we can. So anyway, with that said, brushreader.org slash training calendar. And and we're going to have some tactical signals exploitation course dates coming up on the calendar uh, for 2023. We're going to try and get at least three of them up, three or four. And uh, I'm really excited because every time you're down here, we always have a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Scuzzy beer night, mandatory. <laughs> Scuzzy beer night. If as long as you don't give any, give me any more uh Jepsons. Jepsons Malort. Oh yeah. I manned up and, and I you know I did you tricked me the first time, the second time I just yeah. manned up. The, the third the time I was like, man, this is like this stuff really sucks. <laughs> it's, no, no, it, that's bad news. That's bad it's news, terrible. man. That's a Jepson's Malort. It's a great way to turn a good night into a bad one in one shot. Mm -hmm. All it takes. It's all it takes. Anyway, mm -hmm. with that said, brother, thank you for being in here. You know, Pleasure breaking always. some bottles, having a good time. You know, it's it's always, always a good time. We'll get you back on again. Anyhow, Madman Actual, brother, thank you. God bless all of you out there. God bless as well. We'll be talking to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout, out. Hooray!